bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja. This week we have Talia Barron on the show sharing her plant-based journey with us. Talia reached out to me a little while ago and we finally made it work. I was really excited to have her on the show because she is another guest who had some neurological autoimmune symptoms and wasn't formally diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, but all of her symptoms were very much those of someone who was living with undiagnosed MS. And I, and I love sharing those stories because if you've been following this podcast for a long time, that's how I became so passionate about whole food plant-based eating initially was as a means of overcoming my own multiple sclerosis. So I'm very excited to have Talia on the show. And I just want to mention that she has started a beautiful plant-based page over on Instagram called TB for Talia Barron, TB Whole Foods over on Instagram. So check out Talia's page where she posts beautiful recipes and has lovely stories and all those kinds of things. So head over there to see more and spend more time with Talia. And otherwise, I hope that you enjoy Talia's story as much as I enjoyed hearing it and chatting with her. Thanks, Talia, for coming on the show. Okay, Talia, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. I'm very excited to have you and I'm glad that we made it because it was a bit tricky. (laughs) We got it. We got it together. We got it together. So I'm really glad that you know you we were patient and managed to get through the little kerfuffles that happened along the way to get here. So thank you for yes. understanding. Of course, my pleasure. Uh, so you reached out to me and t- to share your story, and you wrote me wrote to me about your story, and I really was excited to have you on the show. And some people write to me, and they're not fitting for the podcast for whatever reason and it's a shame but I was very excited to see that you were in my inbox and your story was really perfect for the type of show that this is so right thanks for writing to me and of course and how about you just start at the start okay so I'm gonna start just I'm gonna go way back and then I'll I'll bring you through time to the present yeah and I'll help you if we get lost along the way Okay. And I'll also probably get you lost along the way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the story's roots really start back in the summer of 2013. So I got married in December of 2012. I was, that was the highest weight that I had ever been was at my wedding, believe it or not. I know most people shed for the wedding. Um, That was not happening for me. And then after I got married, I just, I managed to just gain a lot of weight. Like it felt like it was just coming on like 
you know, one day after the next. Um, and then the summer of 2013, so about like six months after, after I got married, I was just scrolling through Netflix and I saw, um, I just happened upon this documentary called Hungry for Change. And I watched it and I was just like, I don't even know what to do. Like food sucks. The food industry is horrible. You know, there's nothing healthy out there. You just, everywhere you turn, you're going to get something bad, whether it's, you know, so if I eat a lot of plants, then what about all the pesticides and the GMOs? Like, I just, I don't even know what to do. So, yeah, so I just felt so lost. And I remember my husband saying like, okay, but that's not the answer. Like, I'm, that's great. You don't know what to do, but you're going to have to figure this out. Like, you don't just say, you know, it's not my fault. I, there's nothing to do. We're going to figure it out. So um, I spoke to my father, I think, like a day or two later, and I was just casually telling him about this. And I told him, um, you know, like, I don't, I watched this and it, it showed me how bad all the food is that I've been eating, but now I don't know what to eat. He's like, okay, no problem. I got the answer for you. Now you're going to watch Forks Over Knives and now, and then you'll know what to eat. I said, okay, no problem. Great. And that's exactly what I did. I watched Forks Over Knives and I was sold. You know, I, I really, it just resonated with me. I know a lot of people might watch it and might like fire back with questions of like, well, how does that make sense? And, you know, kind of like try to refute it. But my head really didn't even go in that direction at all. I was just totally sold. I didn't have any questions. I was like, oh, for sure. This is the way. This is it. I am down. Yes, that's awesome. Except this was this was back years ago. We did it for a little while, my husband and I. Not 100%, but we were like 70 80%. And then slowly, slowly, the old habits came back and I, I gave up. And then I started having kids. I had my first daughter December of 2014. And then I had my son in September of 2016. And that's when the second part of the story comes. So there's kind of a pause in the middle and then I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. So after the birth of my son, the symptoms that I was having like just were so frightening and, and really just so uncomfortable. But basically, I, the birth was beautiful. I recovered beautifully from the birth. And then a few months after he was born, my left hand just started tingling and it didn't stop for like a good two weeks. And it was like the ring finger and the pinky finger. So it wasn't carpal tunnel because carpal tunnel could only be, it's usually like 99% of the time, like the thumb and the pointer finger. It's almost never like the pinky. So and that was like scary for me because I was hoping, okay, hope, you know, maybe it's just carpal tunnel and that's like nothing to be worried about, but it wasn't. So I had that tingling for like a good few weeks and then it went away. And then I had like facial pain, like really just so uncomfortable, so painful. Um, and like just a lot of, a lot of things that like kind of came and went. Um, some things stayed and they just compounded on each other. But then a few months later, then I started having this like friction type of feeling in my hips. And then that escalated to um, like severe muscle pain, like around 
my hips and, and my legs. Like it would start in the hips and the muscle pain would like radiate all the way down. And it was like debilitating. But the episode of like debilitating pain from that really only happened. I only had one or two episodes of that kind of pain before I got pregnant with my youngest. So then I got pregnant with my youngest um, in October of 2017. And shortly after, the symptoms got so much better. Yeah, wow. And I, I was told, you know, that like autoimmune-like symptoms can, can, you know, are usually suppressed during pregnancy because the immune system is suppressed during pregnancy. Mm, that's what I was told too. So I was like, I'm going to eat everything I want. <laughs> right. With, with the first and the second, I thought, maybe not because I don't want to gain 100 kilos like I did with the first. Right, right, exactly. Okay, well, you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah. I didn't gain a hundred; that was exaggeration. But it was no, it was no, more no. than needed to be gained. Yeah, with of the first. Oh, me too. By the way, my my first pregnancy, I gained forty five pounds. Yeah, well, twenty kilos. I don't know. They're probably about the same. About the same, and then my second, I gained just like twenty two pounds, which was yeah. normal. And with mm. my third, also, like I stayed in the twenty range. Yeah, same. Yeah. So then after um, I gave birth to my daughter, you know, everything was fine for a few months. And then um, January 1st, I had an episode of double vision, which was so frightening. But and like, I'll never forget that first like time of of experiencing that. Um, I was laying in my bed and I was just like looking through my phone. And then like I saw the time on my phone, like totally dragged down to double. Like I wasn't touching my phone. It's not like I was scrolling. I was just looking at it. And I remember like just totally seeing it double. And the only way it would go away would be if I would squint my eyes or if I would close one eye, then it would turn back into one. So I had that for a while. And then the, um, the hip muscle pain came back in the leg pain and then like by the summer of of 2019 I was a wreck like I just I was like what's going on I'm too young for this like I you know I I just I could I was scared to move like I was scared to go out with friends like I, I have a clear memory of my friend texting me asking me if I wanted to go walking on the boardwalk later that night and I had to like come up with an excuse because in my head, I'm like, I can't go walking on the boardwalk like late tonight. Like that's when my muscle pain flares up. And like, what if I have like a debilitating episode of muscle pain where it's like so bad that you like kind of get like nausea, you know, like I've had that where like such bad episodes of pain where I would become nauseous from the pain and like couldn't, you know, like carry on a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're talking about being, you know, like a wreck so that it was lots of muscular pain. Yeah, that was that was like the yes, I would say that was the worst symptom. Were there any other symptoms going alongside that muscular pain at the time? Yeah, like things that came and went. But the things that were that I was struggling with regularly was the muscle pain and the double vision. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that would have been so hard. It yeah, it was just, you know, very hard like not knowing when it's going to come up and like oh, I I just I went everywhere with Tylenol and Advil on me because I just I you know, I didn't know when I was going to need it. Mm. But around that time I 
I had a brain MRI, which was normal. It was normal. And I saw a neuro-ophthalmologist about the double vision, and she said, you know, it sounds more like like a foria, which is, it's like a kind of like a misalignment of like a slight misalignment that like I wouldn't be able to see in the mirror, but when the muscles behind the eyes are stressed, it, you, it can cause that kind of double vision where like you would see it on contrast. Like if I see white on top of black, which was the case, like when I would look at my phone and see things that were double or like mm. the clock mm. or like any kinds of things with contrast and colors. She said, it, it really sounds more like that. So fine. That, w- that was great. And then um, I was still having like all this pain and I was just still concerned. And one night I was just, I was just journaling about it. I'm very big on, on mind body work also. So I was, I was journaling about like things in my life. And then also I was just so fed up with my symptoms. So I was, I just spent time to just journal out and just like write down everything that I was feeling physically and how much it was bothering me. And I don't remember every single symptom at the time, but I remember journaling about it and looking at it and being like, holy cow, like this is MS. Like, how is this not MS? Like I, this is literally every symptom. But I, but then at the same time, I'm like, but my brain MRI was normal, so I don't know. And then I I researched. I just, like, kept researching and, and, like, looking things up, whatever I could. And I saw that it doesn't always show up on a brain MRI. It usually does, but somebody could have MS without lesions, and then it, it wouldn't show up on a brain MRI. That was in, in sorry, November 2019, and, and that realization of, like, holy shit, like I, I might have MS was like my world crashing down and like, wow, like I'm going to do whatever it takes, like to get myself to feel better and to, and to, you know, get myself to a healthy place. And, and I had remembered that a few months prior, my father gave a, my father's a physician And he was giving, he was telling me that he was giving a presentation at a hospital about how a whole food plant-based diet can like press pause on neurological diseases, like progressive neurological diseases, autoimmune diseases. So that all came full circle to me. Like I, I would have never thought that that would apply to me when he said it a few months prior. Yeah, that's so like, what a blessing to have a father who is a medical doctor, but a medical doctor, which is a is still a rare breed, who is aware of plant-based nutrition and who is promoting it, which is incredible. You're so lucky. What a gift. Yeah, exactly. He promotes it. He, he, he's, he is a different type of doctor in that he, um, you know, he's very passionate about, about lifestyle um, medicine. And, and I remember him telling me, you know, the five pillars, um, a whole food plant-based diet, sleep, exercise, stress management, and connectedness. And I kind of felt like the other pieces, either I couldn't work on yet, like the sleep, because my, my kids, you know, what can I do? Um, I just felt like the piece that I needed to work on at that time was for sure a whole food plant-based diet. And I just went full swing no, like I just, I never looked back. It's like, it was kind of like an adrenaline rush. You know, it was like the nerves, the, the like 
fear kept me, you know, just kind of like launched me forward into it. Mm. And I just want to say that at this point, you know, they say like, um, there are two, two feelings that fuel our choices and it's either love or fear. So back then it it was fear that got me into it, but it's totally like all love now. Like I am just infatuated with this lifestyle. I'm like obsessed. My friends want to kill me. It's been like a year and a half. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, I like that you're saying that because I think for many of us that, that are on this podcast, that fear is it was the initial incentive, but then it quickly becomes a love affair with how you feel once you make this change. Yes, 100%. Now it's like, I'm just, I I don't know, it just, it brought me to, it kind of like opened up a lot of doors for me that I didn't know that I had. Like I was never creative. I never thought of myself as a creative person. And now I'm like, Miss, like, I think I'm like Miss Master Chef over here in the kitchen. Like, (laughs) 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 like I'm garnishing my food and I'm taking pictures and I'm learning about food photography and I'm like developing my own recipes. Like never, I, I never would have thought that I even had that in me. And it just, and now it's like a whole, it's like a whole life that, you know, was very unexpected. And I love that. I love hearing that because even though there are what seems like a saturation of food, food bloggers and plant-based bloggers, I personally think there's never enough. <laughs> I always love, really? I always love seeing, and even though often I just see them and then don't make them because I'm a love vegan cookbooks. I love plant-based cookbooks. I love the vegan recipes online. Uh, but it, it's just, exciting to think that there are just endless ways to live this way and to share those recipes with your family and friends and inspire others. I think that it's, you know, it's like for me, when I'm scrolling on social media and I see a beautiful, and I'm not the person for this job, I try to be a food blogger because people were asking me to take photos and I'm just like, my food, I'm just, that's not what happened to me. Right. That happened to my husband, but I didn't get I didn't become a food blogger. My rest of my photos are terrible of food recipes and I just make wholesome comfort food, but I love the people like you are out there making beautiful photos, taking beautiful photos of their food and making and inventing new ways of of eating for people. It's really really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing because I never before changed my diet and didn't suffer. Like, you know, like back before all this, like anytime that I wanted to lose weight and I went on a diet, I always felt like, oh my God, this is hell. Get me out of here. I can't do this anymore. It sucks. I'm starving. This food sucks. But I have the opposite reaction with this. Like with this way of eating, it's it's delicious. There is so much that you can eat and so many things that you can create with um, you know, with ingredients that are whole food, plant-based compliant, that it's just like, why, why would I ever stop this? You know? Exactly. Why would you? Oh, you know, I'm not suffering. I'm the opposite of suffering. And how quickly was it when you noticed your symptoms reduce? Right away. Really right away. The muscle pain, um, the episode 
frequency and severity lessened right away. I saw like bigger gaps, like, oh, you know, like I haven't had pain in a while, in like a few days, let's say. And then those gaps just kept getting longer and longer. And like once in a while, I'll have like a touch of what it used to be. And anytime I have a symptom, I'm like, well, it's not my diet. So <laughs> it has to be the, one of the other pillars of lifestyle medicine, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I didn't sleep late. My kids, who knows when, um, you know, or like, oh, I'm really stressed out. So thank God it really, they, they did. I saw my symptoms get much better very early on. And again, like, this is something that, you know, especially with diabetes, like it, the symptoms cha- can change really rapidly from having, you know, to having diabetes to not needing the medication anymore or needing less insulin or whatever and same for me with ms i feel like overall because my symptoms were you know um i had a huge relapse when i when i made the shift to plant-based eating so i lost all sensation in my below the waist and that took about one to two months to fully come back but the energy and the so brain fog and all these things lifted so quickly and and noticeably, and that was that's what keeps you excited because you're just like, oh my gosh, I felt so bad, and now I don't feel so bad. It's just night and day the contrast. And also, first of all, I, I've heard you say that before that you lost feeling, you know, below the waist. I did not realize it was for that long. Oh my gosh! Mm. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely a frightening time. It was a frightening time. But when it did come back, you know, now I'm, some would say, obsessed with running. <laughs> Once you lose feeling in your legs, you start to get very excited about feeling them again and it doesn't go away. You're still, I'm still very right. grateful for feeling in my legs and, able, and constantly wanting to use them and stand up and wiggle them around because <laughs> you just... That's amazing. It's just you know, such a gift. We don't really realize yeah. the gifts of wellness until we lose our health. Of course. Yeah, we take it yeah, for granted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The same with our kids' health. Yeah. You know, when our kids are super annoying, which they can be. Yeah. You, we forget how lucky we are that they're healthy, that they're because other people are struggling yeah. so much. And I think that as a society, we could do, we could do a, service to each other and ourselves if we were just a little bit grateful for the abilities that we have Mm -hmm. of course yeah and the health that we have because that's not a given for many people it's pretty precious and rare and beautiful that we're living in healthy bodies at any given time especially in pandemic yeah yeah and anyone i work with elderly clients and they all say you know you should just be healthy it's the most important thing you know, like health comes first. Yeah, and we don't think. And I remember years ago I was getting coaching and we were talking about my values and I listed my health as my number one value and I listed my kids as number, my family as number two. And I, when I did it, he, the person kind, kind of said, health's number, number one, hey. And I looked at the list of values and I saw my family as number two and I felt this guilt, this mother guilt, like, oh, you prioritize your health as number one and your family is number two. But after 
you know, listening to the guests on this show and, as you say, listening to those elderly people and just listening to your story, they don't exist without us being healthy. Right, right. We can't love them the way they need to be loved without them being healthy. So health is number one. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, I'd seen what my health could be like and it could be really bad. And if my health was like it was, I couldn't be the mum to them that I want to be. Right, of course. What's that? What do they say on airplanes? Put your oxygen well, you know, mask put on your first. Mask on yeah. yeah, but our society doesn't teach us that. It just doesn't. Right, right. No, but 100%. I mean, yeah, I have I have memories of, you know, just being like in such pain and being uncomfortable and being like anxious about it and depressed about it that like I just I, I couldn't be present with my kids. I just wanted to like crawl in a corner and distract myself. It's it's the world of a difference, you know, being sitting with your kids and playing with them and being present um, as opposed to just like wanting wanting the time to go because you're just like so upset and anxious and just like want to do something totally distracting and like numbing. And it's not that all of us aren't going to experience that because that's part of life, you know, where we're all going to go three times. Of course. Where And like I'm in one right now. <laughs> And I think many of us through the pandemic, you get in those situations. It's not about shame. It's not about shaming us for when we're we're our resource tanks empty and we're parenting on the fumes of <laughs> fumes of life force energy or whatever it is we feel believe is flowing through us at the time. But definitely, definitely. It's such it's so beautiful when we can remove some of the barriers to that lack of presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's not to say that I'm I'm not a hundred percent fully present with my kids all the time now because I'm so busy cooking. <laughs> Just because I enjoy it so much, I'll be like, "Okay, guys, yeah, go play with your magnet tiles. You know where to find me." <laughs> Um, you know, so of course we're not always going to be a hundred percent, but if we can, but it, like you said, if we can remove some of the barriers. Mm, yeah. And, and, and we, and we can, cause you have, and I have, and that is, and the guests on this show, all the beautiful guests on the show have, which is wonderful. So how did your family cope with this big change? Did they all change or was it a challenge or do your kids, did they change with you or how's it gone for you make, make, navigating this? Okay. Yeah. So this is like the number one question. My husband was supportive from day one. Um, I even, there was a point when I like started dabbling with it, you know, that before the MS scare, um, but I was like doing it, you know, like 80%. And then I got annoyed with it. And I was like, you know what, I had enough of this. And he's like, no, 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 come on, let's do it. It's going to be so good for us. Isn't it? It's going to be so much fun. And in my head, I'm like, is he crazy? It's going to be fun. Like, but now look at me. I think it's the most fun thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) But he, so he was with me a hundred percent from day one. He, he was always into health and fitness. Um, and he always wanted me to cook healthier. He doesn't have to ask now. I'm, I'm just bringing it to the table and, and he, he doesn't have any questions, you know, that this is the healthiest way. I told him it's the healthiest way, so he believes me. <laughs> and what about your kids? The kids are the kids are a problem. They're it's so difficult. My two older ones, it's especially the most difficult with them because they've had a few years of eating um, you know, like the Western culture foods. 
So it's, it's hard to change that. My little one, my two and a half year old, she prefers whole plant foods to anything else. So she, you know, because I started young with her, so she really enjoys it. She loves it. And that's for many families when they're making the transition. The youngest ones tend to find it easy because they're not used to it. Their gut microbiome's not used to all those foods. You know, there's, it's, it's a big change because they've been conditioned to eat one way. And now you're saying, actually, not that way. We're going to do a different way. And little kids aren't that great with change in that, in that sense, you know, something big like that. Yeah, when they're oh, taste totally. Buds. Totally. Food can be a challenge with little yeah. people. Yeah, and when they're totally, and when they're picky on top of it, like not only are, do they eat like the Western culture food, but they are used to like the really like bottom of the barrel stuff, unfortunately, um, just because I, I think kids, as they get older, they do get pickier because they know, you know, they know what pizza tastes like. So they don't want, they don't want a salad, um, even though we think salad are delicious because we've we've adjusted but what I try to do is I just try to I try to crowd out the unhealthy food like I know let's say my daughter loves potatoes and she loves strawberries and um, blueberries like the few foods that I know that she likes that are whole food plant-based I try to have them ready for her you know like for today let's say for before they come home from school, I prepared a plate of fruit that I know that they'll eat. And then that way they'll eat less of the garbage. And it's just, you know, it's a slower transition for them. But hopefully one day. But that's a really good strategy for anyone listening who's wondering how to do it. it, it like crowding out is a massive, really great way of just adding in more rather than tea. And because our minds, our unconscious and conscious minds, we don't like being told we can't have something or be restricted. But if you're told you can have an abundance of this, that sounds a whole lot more appealing than being told you can't have pizza. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's really, really great that you're doing that. And it is something that every person navigates differently and every kid is different. So it's just something that you'll you'll intuitively work with and it'll it'll figure itself out or not figure itself out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it, it does. Well, it will. What about socializing? How do you find social how do you find socializing with this change of eating, this way of life? So a few things. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little glimpse into my background and my community. So I'm Jewish. I'm an Orthodox Jew and I live in a in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood community. Um there is a very, very large emphasis on food. Um, you know, in, in most cultures, I imagine there is these days, especially, but for some reason, there's meat at everything. Like everything is meat. Like at the, it's kind of like the fancier the celebration is, the more meat there's going to be, you know, and the more expensive meat. I feel like that covers most cultures like the meat was precious and rare and the richer or the bigger the celebration the more dead animals need to be involved right right which is just bizarre but anyway it is it is um also my brother-in-law is a butcher so that's something that comes up in the family (laughs) um it's funny like we call it a family feud um 
it's so socializing. Another thing about about being an Orthodox Jew in a community is that so Saturday lunch meals are a big thing, you know, like people will invite each other over for meals and um, so much it's like we joke that it's like Thanksgiving, like we have Thanksgiving meals every week, like every Saturday lunch is like a Thanksgiving meal, like meat chicken so it would be like a brisket and then like fried chicken cutlets and um like a stew with like barley potatoes onions which is great but then also like a huge piece of meat with like the most fat on it so that you get the most flavor um a ton i mean just a ton of that type of food and like will there be a salad yes but it will probably have a dressing on it that has mayo and sugar so I mean, I, since, since transitioning to this lifestyle, I bring food with me everywhere, um, which doesn't bother me. Yeah. You get used to it. Although you, you start initially people look at you strange when you rock up with your cooler bag or <laughs> with food for you and your kids, but you just become that person that always has their own food right exactly it's like now you know my friends know like oh you know talia is not gonna eat she's not gonna eat pizza like we're all getting together saturday night she's not gonna eat pizza she'll bring whatever also uh, like uh, a positive thing to the the whole saturday lunch meal situation is that it is common practice to ask the host to you know like oh what can i bring and they usually do say you know like oh you know you can bring a salad or whatever. So I'll, I actually remember the first time I got invited out, I didn't want to tell the host, you know, that I don't eat, I don't eat any on animal products. Um, I don't eat oil. I just, because she wasn't such a close friend and I didn't want her to feel stressed out. Like she would have to now cook a whole meal for me. So <laughs> I sent her a text message. I'm like, Hey, you know, thanks so much. We're going to come. Um, I'm going to bring a salad. And she wrote back like, no, don't bring anything. Like, don't bring anything. I got it all. Um, so then at that point, I had to tell her. And <laughs> I wrote her a whole message. I was, I was, you know, it was, it was a challenge socially. It's like, so, you know, are people going to invite me over? Are they going to feel like, is it like stressful to have me over? Because now they have to like, think about what are they going to make that they're not used to making. But anyways, I explained to her, you know, I'm on a strict whole food plant-based diet, this and that. I went through the whole thing. And look at that. She, she wrote back to me saying, oh, I know. I know all about that. My husband did that for a while. There you go. Yeah. So it worked out really nicely. She totally got it. I brought a healthy salad that everyone loved and, and it worked out great. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. And so what would a typical day for you now of eating look like? So I know that you said you had a standard Western kind of diet before, but what what does it look like now? Like breakfast. What's breakfast look like for you? Okay. I'm going to walk you through the day. <laughs> okay. Take us, take us on a journey. Okay, yeah. So I go through, I'm like a cyclical eater. So like I'll eat oatmeal every day for like four months and then be like, okay, I had enough of that and then I'll switch to granola. But anyways, now I'm in an oatmeal mode. Yeah, I'm the same. So every morning is the same. Yeah. So what do you guys call it? I'm calling it oatmeal, but you call it... We call it porridge. So you call it porridge if it's cooked oats, it's porridge. But if it's not cooked, then it's just oats. I don't know. Oats, Yeah. 
Not cooked, it'd be oats. Oh. Porridge. I don't know. Right. I, I guess porridge too. is from England, but we call it porridge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Oatmeal. So I make an oatmeal porridge <laughs> every morning with dates. I use dates for the sweetener. Um, I put some organic soy milk and then I, I top it with like a bunch of blueberries. Yeah, yum. So that's breakfast. And then it's very filling. And I don't, because I, I work still at a desk job, I don't like move a lot. So I don't feel the need to have a huge lunch. I'll have like a mono meal of like just like a few oranges, like a few big oranges. And I like to feel lighter throughout the day so that I don't like feel this heavy feeling. I'd rather feel lighter and that like I can graze, you know, like if I'm not too stuffed from lunch, then I'm like ready to have like a snack in between lunch and dinner. And I don't feel like I'm like overeating, like I feel good. So I would have like a few oranges for lunch and then maybe like some nuts and maybe like a Lara bar uh, or like um, 100% whole wheat, like cracker with some like peanut butter that's like just with peanut made from peanuts. And dinner, I'll have like a big salad, maybe with some like whole wheat pasta with like a pesto made, you know, no oil, just the basil, the um, pine nuts, garlic, lemon juice. That's it. And like with some roasted cherry Yum. tomatoes. Yeah, it's good stuff. That sounds delicious i'm making me hungry i haven't had breakfast yet so i i think i might have some oatmeal today i've been in a really i know that like people in, in the whole food plant-based uh, are there's a there's a whole different should you have a smoothie should you not have the smoothie blended or you know there's a there's, uh for the yeah. way there's, there's a, a debate. debate there's a debate and I don't know. Sometimes I just like it because it's quick and yum and delicious. But I, I hear their points, but I sometimes I just like a smoothie. So in the hot summer months, a smoothie bowl or a smoothie I like. But I, then I fill it with stuff to yeah. make it chewy. And yes, good. exactly. Yeah, I just want to say if smoothies are good enough for Dr. Gregor, which they are because they're in his cookbook, then they're good enough for yeah, me. Yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> okay, so our second last thing. Where can people, I know you said you had an Instagram account before we started recording. Can, where can people follow you on social media? So the name is TB, which are my initials, Talia Barron. So T like Talia, B like Barron. Yeah, TB Whole Foods. That's it. Plain and simple. Um, maybe I'll change the name one day, but for now, that's the name. So I post, you know, I post new recipes that I've created and I'll post stories. Like when I make a new recipe, I'll, I'll show everyone like, oh, I'm making something new and I'll let them know how it turns out. That's exciting. So that's it. So far, I just have an Instagram account. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. And everyone, go follow TB Whole Foods on Instagram. And so... Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so excited to go look it up. I'm going to look it up as soon as we hang out from here. But what would be your three biggest tips? I ask this to every single guest. And I ask it because everyone's... Well, not everyone. Sometimes people have the same tips. But, I mean, they're all great reminders for people and they're I always get new ideas from these tips myself so I love I love this part of the interview this is my favorite part of every of every chat with people is to hear to hear what your the things that come to your mind first when you think about what's been the most useful things for you in this journey right okay so my number one tip is make it delicious 
there is no reason why we have to be eating food that's not that that doesn't taste good. Like there's just so much out there. Um, you know, these days with bloggers, there are so many amazing, delicious recipes. Don't deprive yourself. Eat a whole food plant based, totally compliant, but just make sure you enjoy it because that's going to help it be sustainable. A hundred percent. And if you don't know where to find recipes, just send me a message. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. People think you have to eat <laughs> yeah. sadness, sad, sad, boring no. food, but you just do not. That is not true yeah. in twenty twenty one. It's not bloggers true. out there exactly. like Talia, you can exactly. eat f- delicious, flavorful food. And second tip? <laughs> exactly. Um, second tip, I would say know yourself. You know, just know like what's gonna what's gonna encourage you and what's gonna discourage you, what's gonna what's gonna help make this sustainable for you. Because I think ultimately that's the goal, right? Like to be doing this long term. Um, and just, just to know for yourself, how do you, how do you see this being sustainable for you? Yes, that is a great, great tip because it's something that we don't think about enough and most of us don't know ourselves very well ultimately. So knowing what will discourage you and what will encourage you is a really, really important thing on this journey because the wheels fall off so easily if you don't know the, thing, the things that are going to trip you up, the hurdles that are going to come up that you're, if you're not prepared for, will be the things that make you fall off the whole food plant-based wagon. But also knowing what motivates you is a really, really great tip as well because knowing what motivates you can keep you going. If you know your why and you're really solid with your why, that's so motivating. Exactly. Exactly. Know your why. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I just want to say a quick thing about that, if you don't mind, about knowing your why. For me, I I started this for health reasons, and you know, like just just to be healthy and to stop whatever's going on in my body, just to stop it. Losing weight was a huge was a huge bonus, and it was a huge piece to it. I wasn't severely overweight. I you know I I had a few pounds to lose, um, but it's funny because the rest of the world looks at me and they just think like, oh, she went on a diet. You know, she lost weight. She had a few pounds to lose. She did this to lose weight. But it's it's kind of funny, actually, that it's so not what you see. But also sometimes I'll see myself kind of like getting too wrapped up in the weight loss part of it. Like, oh, I feel so good now. And like, oh, I hope I don't like gain, you know, I hope I don't, I don't gain a pound here or a pound there. And, and then I just have to like bring myself back. Like, Yes, it's great that I'm at a normal weight now, but I didn't do this to be like the next Victoria's Secret model. You know, like I I did this to keep a healthy weight and you just kind of remember your why and just, you know, like I'm going to keep going with this because this is the healthy way. Yes. Yes. Great. And so what is tip number three? Tip number three would be to have support, you know, find support, find people who are who are interested in doing this with you. Um, and, and now with social media, there are groups on Facebook everywhere. You know, I'm sure there's more than just a few groups on Facebook and on Instagram. Again, you know, there are just so many plant-based bloggers. You can just find who's following who, and you know, you know, who's interested in what. Um, so that would be my third to, to like, if I'm lucky enough that my husband is in this with me, but for someone who, let's say, has a spouse who is not 
who's not along with them on this ride, um, just to find somebody who is and to find like a buddy. Yes. And I think most people who do really well are the people who have really great support around them, especially if your partner is on board. I think that's a really for many people that I know who've tried this way, the ones that have struggled the most have been when their partners haven't been supportive or they haven't had a network around them of people. And it's just awesome that you have a husband that's been so supportive and that, you know, you're out there being that support, that encouraging, that encourager, that ally to others who are navigating this journey themselves for the first time. So, Thanks right. for making beautiful recipes yeah. and sharing your story with us oh, all today. Sure. It really means a lot to me. Thank you. You've, your story has inspired me, and I hope that it inspires someone out there listening. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks again, Talia, for coming on the show, and thank you all so much for tuning in, coming along for the ride, supporting the podcast, However you support the podcast in your own way, just by listening or liking or sharing, subscribing. If you want to be a superstar, heading over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and giving it a five-star rating or a kind review, that all helps this podcast reach more people. And I'm greatly, greatly appreciative of any of you helping me to give this podcast a greater audience and reach because these stories need to be heard not only for the people who need to hear them to be inspired and have some hope for their health and their chronic illness and their and their longevity uh, but also for the animals and the planet and one thing that I, I don't mention enough about this way of eating is that it is really a, a spiritual act and I, I mean that in that there's a lightness in not consuming terror and fear and harm. And, and that lightness, you can sense it in the guests that have been on this show, in the people living this way. There is this light that shines, radiates from people on a whole food plant-based diet that is undeniable. You know, when we eat this way, it is a spiritual act. It is a loving act, a compassionate act, a kind act that is tangible within us. And when chatting to someone who eats a whole food plant-based diet, and Talia is that you didn't see her because this isn't recorded, but she was just so vibrant and beautiful and radiant in this. Obviously, eating a nutrient-dense diet plays a role in that. Uh, when we're just bathing ourselves with beautiful rainbows of colorful foods and fresh foods and fruits and vegetables. But I, I truly believe that this, is, this has been the gateway for me delving into my own spirituality more because you just feel this sense of lightness when you're not participating in the suffering and exploitation, exploitation of animals and the degradation of our planet on a conscious, unconscious, mind, body, spirit level. Uh, it's really profound. And if you haven't yet made the commitment, the full commitment to going whole food plant-based, it's just one other element to add to your why. People talk about in their, in their personal development movement is 
having a really strong why. And for me, that spiritual element was a really strong why. Not eating harm, not eating suffering, not eating cruelty, not eating trauma and fear. It just feels, this food's a different frequency, even though that may seem like really left <laughs> left of field kind of thinking. It, it's how I feel about it. How I see it is that it's a, it's a beautiful higher energy than this dense energy of suffering and fear that you get when you're consuming the flesh of animals or the secretions of animals. It's, it's beautiful eating this way. It's nourishing for the soul, for the planet. It's kind. It's, it gives you a really good feeling, not to mention what it does for your gut microbiome, the prevention and reversal of chronic illness, all of those things, all of the pieces that we know. But when we're building a why, we need to understand all the ways that this way of eating benefits us. It benefits the forest. It benefits the oceans. It benefits our waterways. It benefits our climate, it, you know, it reduces our emissions, it benefits the animals, it, it benefits the slaughterhouse workers because there's, they don't have a job, <laughs> they don't have to go to that job. It benefits them because that whole industry is, no longer needs to exist, an industry that has a high suicide rate, it has high mental health tolls on its staff and employees. You know, it benefits towns and communities that don't have to have the stench of chicken farms and pig farms and runoff, toxic runoff from animal waste and secretions flowing onto their crops and giving them, causing zoonotic diseases, all of those types of things. It benefits us as far as reducing our risk for further pandemics like the one that we're in at the moment. There are so many benefits, weight reduction, health improvements, lower risks, lower depression, obesity, chronic illness, all of those things. There's just an endless stacking of whys when you sit down and maybe it's time to sit down, write a list. What are all the whys? And if you don't know them all, Google, Google all the benefits of plant-based eating read up from Project Drawdown who talk about the benefits of plant-based eating as far as reversal of climate change, those types of things. There are so many great reasons and resources out there to educate yourself so that so that it's less likely that you do slip up or make a different choice because those foods, in inverted commas, suddenly aren't foods. When your why is big enough, they're no longer food to you. You know, when your why is big enough... It's easy and sustainable to eat this way and to live this way permanently. And on that, I really loved Talia's tips. You know, make it delicious. You know, don't have to make it a bowl of sadness. Make the food delicious. Use condiments, flavoring options. Check out her TB Whole Foods on Instagram. Recipes, Talia's recipes. Find all the good recipes. Go on a Pinterest or wherever it is that you like to search deep dive and find recipes of things that you love um, and just try one new recipe a week. Um, and number two, her number two was know yourself. And I loved that. And I think that's the first time someone said that as a tip. So what will encourage you or discourage you on that journey? 
And number three, find support. If you don't have support in your family or in your friendship circle, then find online support. As Talia said, you can message her. You know you can message me. Message people, write to people, join groups, join Forks Over Nars official Facebook group, join McDougal, the McDougal group, join all the groups, Whole Food Plant-Based Aussies. There's so many out there. I'd say join mine, Plant-Based and Thriving, but I'm not the best group facilitator. <laughs> so to be brutal, to be t- totally transparent, you can join it, Plant-Based and Thriving. I imagine I'm going to change the name of that very soon because I want it to encompass a, a bit more of the work that I do, but it's there if you want to go over there as well and join that group. But join all the groups Go to meetup groups if you're not in lockdown or you're not in a harsh, you know, restrictions. In Australia, there's there's groups now meeting up again. So, I mean, join the groups. Go to local meetups. Make new friends. I love making new vegan friends. I feel like I'm out of Harry Potter and I'm meeting a real-life witch in the, in the, in the wild, in the muggle world. It's, um, it's exciting and I always love, I love... It's like you've made a best friend almost instantly just by knowing that someone's vegan. Uh, it's really, really great. So find support. Uh, that's a long end of the show. I hope you're all doing okay wherever you are in the world. And I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier day